Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Today, we had a really fun conversation about all the things that we're doing at our Show Up Foundation and the work that's being done in the community. Uh Really proud of our team. So happy to have Kirsten and Sarah talking about all these amazing things. If you want to get involved in our initiative, go to showuputah.org. You can find us also on Instagram at showuputah and on Twitter at showuputah. Let's get proximate. We are back here on First Lady and Friends. We have a really fun episode. We haven't done one for a while. We're gonna we have Kirsten Rapley and Sarah Allred from the Show Up Team Extraordinaire. And we are here to talk about um, all things show up and what we've been doing, what we've been up to, and it's a lot. It is a so lot. So welcome to the show, ladies. <laughs> Let's get started. I'm grateful, by the way, that you uh, just assume that this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> like, there's something self-aggrandizing about that in a good way. But, like, it reminds me of back in the days when we had the Cox and Friends podcast. And that whole premise was like, we're funny as friends and kind of interesting. Maybe people want to hear this. <laughs> but we had a hard time, fun, aren't we? <laughs> we had a hard time getting started because we were just uh, having a lot of fun. I'd be shorter today because we took all our time. That's right. Already That's what chatting. the people want. Yes. So we, uh, I thought I'd do a little personal update with families, uh, with our, fa- my family specifically. Y'all can do updates with your families as well. Um, just dropped uh, two of the three SUU students off. Um, they're all down there now. And uh, yeah, so I have three boys at SUU now. It's really, really kind feel? of a, it was kind of a, I was a little melancholy yesterday. I'm not going to uh-huh. lie. I didn't think I would be. I was. I felt like I was kind of ready to get rid of these roommates. Uh-huh. But <laughs> nice roommates. Yeah, they they were great. They were also my drivers all summer. Yeah. Um, so we're missing that. Um, but last night, I we, they I got cute little videos on Instagram. They did they do this thing at SEU where all the freshmen like do this little parade oh. and people just line up and cheer for them. Oh, that's adorable. It's really cute. Uh, so I got videos of that, and it was lovely for our little freshman. And then um, I got a phone call last night about 8.30 that our little freshman sliced open his finger. When you say little freshman, it sounds like high school, yeah. but a college freshman. Yeah, he's okay. 19. <laughs> <laughs> and he sliced open his finger, and his brother was trying to figure out what to do. And as a mom, when you're hmm. sitting there like hundreds of miles away... And like I can't Ooh. see it. I don't know. He's. Like, I don't I know can't how kiss your boo boo. Yeah. Well, I don't know how, <laughs> how deep, deep it is. is I don't it? know if I should. Where they're asking me, what should I do? And I'm like, well, we looked up the Instacare. Of course, it's closed. Absolutely. And sent him to the ER. So we had a night at the ER on our first night of uh, college. It's memorable. <laughs> got a couple few you stitches. Cheered for, and then promptly went to the ER. Yeah, you know, no cheering at all. That's the way it goes. So uh, they're all there. Emma Kate started. School again, um, a week and a half or so ago. Better than last year, 
Good. Better All than right. last year. Good. I don't think it could get worse than I've last got some year. Of her friends. She's got some cool friends that she's She's got out. some yeah. really cute friends. They're really great. Um, just good, good humans. Are you grateful that the boys are like together? Does that give you some comfort as a mother? Like there's, or does that just oh. mean like, oh no, the compound, the, like the craziness is compounded? No, no, no. <laughs> like I, I mean, I was thrilled that, you know, when he cut his finger last night, his brother was the one taking him to the yeah, ER and helping him and, you know, with him the whole time. So no, very comforting. They're actually roommates. They're room roommates. It's awesome. And um, and then of course, Gabber oldest is not with them. He's he'll be done in December. So, but all all there together, yes. taking that. care of each other. So yeah, no, very comforting. So that's that's our latest little update. You guys started school, yes? All your kiddos. Mine are all in school. It's, it's a great, happy day. It's a great day. A great day. <laughs> great day when they're somewhere. happy to go back to, right? Yes, yes. No for stress. Sure. That's true. I also had a kid who ended up in the ER this week with a hand injury, which was awesome. Yeah, not my best parenting moment. Hot but, lamp on the ground while we were camping. But burns are the burn. worst. Burns are I worst. would take stitches over burns oh, yeah. any day of the week. Yeah. The weird thing was like the it was like the Provo ER and it was like, I don't know, after midnight. And there were uh two people I knew there, like who didn't know each other, like two other people I knew at the Provo <laughs> ER that including, night. Including <laughs> Spencer's sister, the governor's <laughs> sister was there. And she was wearing like a cox and she like uh, the sweatshirt and she had a mask on and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Tori. Like I'm not gonna say anything because like, I'm also middle of the night. Yeah. I also have been camping for a few days and I do not look or smell good. Like I do not want to be seen by anyone I know. So apparently that's like a popular hang on a Saturday night <laughs> with toddlers. <laughs> toddlers. Uh, oh, good times. Stitches, stitches for the nephew and a uh, little burn treatment for little mm-hmm. Miss Rosie. So sad, sad, sad day. But all is well. Uh, we're we all work. we're all alive. <laughs> Kids are doing well, um, but we wanted to dive into our what we've been up to, and it's again, it's a lot. And one of the probably the most rewarding thing I think any of us have ever done was attending the uh, USA Games for the Special Olympics. It Amazing. was the best, and I've talked about it on this show a little bit, but we want to dive into really kind of the experience and maybe what we learned and maybe what ideas it gave us going forward for our unified sports here in the state. So let's let's start there. What talk about the experience. Um you guys were both there. Mm-hmm. Um what what were your favorite things? I think for me, so I brought my family. Uh we extended a couple of days. It was out in Orlando. I'm sure you've probably mentioned that on a previous episode, but um, so we we did the Disney thing for a while after, but I got them tickets to the different events and had them come. And my for my little four year old to experience proximity to all of these big kids who were like so awesome and participating in these events was just really really cool. And he asked some really amazing questions afterward. Um, there was one one guy there who in particular who I just love who um is probably I think he said he was like in his 40s he lives with Down syndrome and he was dressed as Superman and he was across (laughs) this was like that last basketball game we went to Mm -hmm. and he my four-year-old was like I have to get over there and meet Superman and he didn't stop talking about meeting Superman for like days after that you know and I just think that there's like there was just like a beautiful moment or three or ten or twenty with my kiddos just getting to experience that because it's a Big operation too, by the way. Like that was massive. So it I was think for me, incredible. Yeah. The amount of logistics going into that 
was overwhelming and they pulled it off beautifully. And I think everyone that participated had a great time, which is incredible for something of that size. And I know that Abby, me and you had talked about it because it was in Orlando at Disney World. And like, how do you make the happiest place on earth (laughs) even happier is by doing the Special Olympics USA Games there. And it was amazing and magical and wonderful. And I think one of my favorite things was we went down and cheered on our Utah teams there. We had a soccer unified team and a basketball unified team and how much we got into it. Do you remember we were at the airport getting live updates on the final game? And (laughs) I've never been so into a game in my life, <laughs> sitting at the airport, waiting for those text updates to come in. Yeah, we were getting live tweets from from wonderful. our Utah delegation, and it was it was so cool. They like stopped texting us with we're like, like fifteen seconds to go, <laughs> and it was tied. I remember I wasn't with you all; I was with my family. But I like made them stop. Like we were like in the Disney parks, and I was like, "You all need to just chill for a second because I cannot handle this emotionally." And I'll say this: like I didn't expect to like love those kids so much. Like when right. we. Like, we've gotten to really know a lot of, like, we know them all by name now. We know their stories. Some of them we've met their families. Some of them we've seen since. And, like, just the connection to them uh, is, like, just the best. The best feeling. I think one of the most interesting things that I saw, I mean, all that was just, you know, just soul-filling. But I think the most interesting thing that I didn't know about Special Olympics and what they do was the healthy athletes Mm -hmm. thing that we did. And what it is, is they they have I mean, it's hard to even describe you. You go through uh, a whole I mean, it was gigantic space where where they had uh, screenings for all all kinds of things. I mean, they screened eye tests. They screened hearing tests. They they screened for bone density. They mm-hmm. screened for um, emotional how, your shoes how your shoes fit. How your shoes fit. I mean, it yeah. was everything. And, and you the could, sensory room. This, mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was just unbelievable The they were taking care of these athletes. And, you know, there were so many statistics about, you know, so many that wear the wrong shoe size because, you know, nobody ever thought to actually measure their foot and they don't a lot of times have the verbal capacity or 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 sensory capacity to know that something's not fitting or whatever and and so i I mean they can come in through those screenings and walk out within Mm -hmm. an hour or two with a new hearing aid with new glasses, mm-hmm. I mean, right there, they're making yeah. the glasses. Yeah, on site. Yeah, uh, well. Anyway, it just it was it was unbelievable. I got my my bone density tested, and I mm-hmm. and I have great bone density. You do. <laughs> I'm very proud of, of your bone density. <laughs> you should be. I mean, who among us is not <laughs> very concerned yeah, about our bone density? But anyway, it was. I think that was the thing that I didn't know that they did with special Olympics. And then I, the other really interesting learning experience I had was when we met with the board of special Olympics international and really what they're doing worldwide. Uh, I I've since had a lot of conversations just recently. I met with, because I had to fill in as a, a substitute delegate for or is that the diplomat that's that's the right word diplomat for um the lieutenant governor cuz she had to be gone and I met with um the first lady of the Gambia in uh Africa and mm-hmm. she they asked me about 
Special Olympics and kids with disabilities and what they could do in their little tiny African country. Um, And I brought up Special Olympics because Mm -hmm. that's we had had that experience. And in that international board meeting, they were talking about uh, the work they were doing in Africa. We met athletes from Africa that were there as the the delegates or diplomats for Special Olympics. Yeah. 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 It It was was amazing. It was incredible. So it was incredibly eye-opening and, and just, I think, the the reach of Special Olympics, what it can be, what it is, what we can do here to yes. to increase awareness and use it as a tool for full school inclusion, I think, just gave us all, like, so much energy to come back yes. and, and continue to do Keep what working. we're doing and even expand uh, more. Um, I want to throw this in because you won't. You had the opportunity to speak in that Special Olympics International Board meeting, and the amount of just feedback. And you just talked about you know your experience, and we've talked about it here on the podcast before, so we won't reiterate it. But um, people were really, really inspired by it and by your journey and by um, the fact that proximity to these athletes has really changed your life and allowed us to expand so quickly in Utah. And we just I mean, continually are getting feedback. And I expected that trip to be really valuable for us from like a show up standpoint, because we I mean, we were working from like what time did we we left every morning at like six o'clock in the morning, which was like for our body's time. And we stayed and did everything until like 10 p.m. Right. Like we were really, really working hard and making great connections. But those connections have been more valuable for us than I ever thought. And the momentum we have to develop this program even further in Utah because of our experience of the game games is going to be something that pays dividends for years to come. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, Just quickly, let's talk about what's coming up, what what show up's going to be involved in in the next little while with Unified Sports. Awesome. Well, I think we should throw in, I think we talked a little bit about golf, but we've had some really awesome experiences with um, a wonderful woman, Darcy Olson, who works with Glenmore. She's a PGA pro down there, and she came and partnered with us and started her own show up for Unified Sports Golf program down there and it's been amazing so, so that's cool. going to continue yeah. you should i mean you've competed in a in a tournament with them just recently yeah no it, it was so cool and and just you know the the awareness around this it, it's just everybody loves it i'm telling you that's that's the thing about unified sports that you just have to experience it once and you are sold and mm. everybody at that golf event all the coaches all the peers all the teachers that brought their kids, I've gotten letters and cards. It's so sweet saying thank you because we, for giving us this opportunity, we've never had an opportunity like this. And so we were, we went to the Utah Open and did a little skills challenge with the, the winners. So fun. Um, of, of the league that they did. And so I, it was just, um, my little buddy Stockton, we didn't win. But we had a great time. You won if it <laughs> we was un- in the our, most We won points. in our hearts. You won in the most points. Okay, so we, I know we got to wrap up the segment here, but you do have like first time to announce what we're doing this coming October. Yes, we. this is going to be our second annual um, unified sports tournament or unified soccer tournament um, in partnership with Real Salt Lake. So excited for it. It's going to be on October 4th mm-hmm. at... The afternoon. Yes, in the afternoon. Yeah, no. Oh, I was going to say 4th. you're looking at me like it's not because <laughs> oh, I said eh. you, yeah. you said at, and I was like, I think it's in the afternoon. It's in the oh, afternoon. Okay. I was just made at it's, Rio Tinto. It's at Rio Tinto. <laughs> yes. There was. A- 
<laughs> Time <laughs> and location. Yes. And we have a really incredible, we can't reveal yet, but we have a really special guest that is coming uh, that you all are going to be so excited about. Yep. And we can't share anything else yet. So, yeah. So that's what we've got coming up. Uh, we still are are working really hard in each one of our school districts mm-hmm. to recruit. If your school is not currently participating in Unified Sports, reach out to us. We uh, want to get as many schools as we possibly can. We want every school participating in Unified Sports. So uh, let us know and we'll reach back out and get you started. Uh, We will be right back. And when we are, we will talk more about what Show Up is doing. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. We have Sarah Allred and Kirsten Rapley from the Show Up team. And we are talking all things show up. And the biggest thing all summer... And all year, really, that we planned for was our show up for teachers conference. And Sarah was the CEO Mm. extraordinaire of the show up for teachers conference. You were amazing. You pulled off like the most unbelievable event. I hope we can replicate this. We already started. It's going to happen again. And the great news is I think it's like unified sports. It's not hard to get people on board to support this because people do support their teachers. And I think sometimes it's hard to know how to. And we just gave them an opportunity and they jumped on. And I think that the community support was amazing and overwhelming. So it's happening again. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about just maybe. I mean, I know I've mentioned it on here because we've talked a little bit about it. But let's talk about sort of exactly what it was and um maybe some outcomes that that we've seen. Yes. So we invited, we had 1,500 people register for the conference. And day of, we had two amazing breakout speakers, both of whom have been on the podcast, I believe, Tim Shriver and Mark Brackett, that just gave wonderful presentations, really great feedback from the teachers. And then we had 88 breakout sessions, mostly taught by Utah educators Just talking about all things wellness for teachers, um, about stress relief and uh, meditation and mindfulness and anything that a teacher can use to take care of themselves, which was really the goal of this whole thing was to give teachers those resources and those strategies and ideas um, so they can take care of themselves and in turn take care of our students. Um, Another really fun component is We had an expo hall where we had uh, community businesses show up and we had Crumble Cookie gave cookies to everyone. Uh, Nothing Bunt Cakes gave cakes. Like people showed up in the way they could, which is the best. And we also had a marketplace where businesses donated 
items so teachers could walk in and pick anything they wanted. So we had Pura diffusers and we had headlamps from local out um, outdoor retailers. We had over some of the other fun things. Spa services, Spa services. Tickets to shows. There's a really fun little sock store up in Park City. And this couple showed up and brought over 200 pairs of socks. And they're just a family-run business. And they drove down that morning and set up their socks because that's how they could give to teachers. And that's how they shared their support. And it was so fun to have the teachers walk in. And some of them were in tears saying, really, I get to just pick anything? And yeah. Go for it. This is, yeah. you know, it's it's not everything, but it's one thing that people can do. Yeah, and we had we had them. lifetime and and several other companies yeah, you can kayak. name. Yes. but yeah. we, I mean, full kayaks. Oh yeah, we had two, yeah. two that we gave away. Two, yep, two kayaks. We had one company gave away a five hundred dollar Delta gift card. Like we just had some just really a, great a Chromebook. We yeah. had giveaways throughout the day where yeah. people would just get random texts that said like they won something awesome. So go to the giveaway <laughs> to booth, the <laughs> which was really cool. Yeah. So no people. I mean, businesses donated big things, small things. It was fantastic. And we really just wanted teachers to feel loved. And I and think the comedy you're forgetting. We had <gasps> that is true. A wonderful MC and a wonderful. Some wonderful yes, we had Whitney call be the MC and she was so fun. She yeah. brought the funnest energy to that room. She was delightful. And then we had Sean Johnson and the Johnson Files do an improv show that was hilarious. It, it, still it really daily. was. It we was really so <laughs> funny. I, I just, and we, I guess the feedback that we've gotten from educators, which is what means the most to me, I think, is that our, the feedback that we got from educators was how valuable it was. Yeah. Which again, to me, it, what we hit our we hit the mark yep. because if it was something that te- teachers don't have a lot of time, they don't have a lot of bandwidth, they certainly don't have a lot of energy in the summer to be doing more right. stuff. Nor should they. And I did not want. We don't want to put anything exactly. on their plates. Yeah, and, we wanted and, this to be give exactly. And so I think for me, the feedback of them saying like this was so meaningful. And I have told everybody at my school and we're all planning on coming next year. And so I, I just I think that was the most satisfying because I for me, the the biggest mission, be, I mean, the main mission obviously was to to give these wellness uh, uh, resources and really, you know, dedicate this time to helping teachers. But I think the second one was really for me to send a positive, powerful message from the community, from yeah. legislators, mm-hmm. from from policymakers, from uh, administration, everything to say you matter. And yeah. I think that was the other feed, you know, part of the feedback that we got was that they did feel mm-hmm. uh, loved. They yeah. did feel valued and respected. And I think yeah. that's the big thing. One of the survey questions we asked at the end, we had to gather information for relicensure points. And actually, as an aside, that was another really awesome thing. We were able to partner with the Board of Education to give educators up to nine relicensure hours for free, um, which was just really great and hopefully really helpful to them. I don't have like the total number, but just thousands and thousands of relicensure points we gave away. Um, But one of the questions we asked was if... Um, you're available to come next year to the conference, will you? And out of hundreds and hundreds of survey respondents, we didn't have a single person say no. We had some say, like, maybe, like, if they're available. And then everybody else said yes, which to to us, I think that was really meaningful. And, and it spoke further to the need for this kind of work and right. for the community to continue to be involved. And just to say, like, yeah, this was worth my time. And I, and I did feel seen, which yeah. that, that was super touching for us, I think. 
Well, you should touch on the educator advocates um, that we brought in. Yeah, that was fun. That was kind of my piece of the project, one of my pieces of the project um, under the wonderful CEO, Sarah Allred. Um, uh, We, you know, with everything we do with Show Up, we really try to catalyze on the fact that um, we have an amazing first lady who's really connected to the community in all sorts of different ways. And so um, with, for example, like the soccer tournament that we did last year and this year, we have like. Um, sort of a, a, a business leader, community leader track that we do as part of that. So while the event's going on, we bring community leaders together to talk about the impact and what they can do to get involved. And we did the same with this event. Um, we focused on everybody from higher education to business to community leaders to um, we had lots of legislators come and we did breakfast with them. And the first lady and the governor spoke. We had an educator or actually we had two educators speak to their experience. And then we just gave them the opportunity to spend the rest of the day at the conference and we really encouraged them we pitched hard to them to just go strike up conversations with educators ask them what they need and um, we developed some some uh, like handout sheets that from when we asked a really great group of educators what do you really need and what can we really do to help you they came up with some really concrete actionable ways that people can in the community can help everything from you know doing stuff on donors choose to um, going and spending time with them in the classroom to see what it's really like um, so we we really I think had a great turnout from the the community of people who we brought and it was just a really great experience and I continue to get feedback and partnership opportunities and experiences from or ideas from from that group of people who came that was about it was like about 200 people which was really cool we were and they were all just happy to participate yeah, I thought, I mean, that that was a big part of it. And I think it's still spawning some more conversations. I know um, I was, I had a, a conversation with President Randall at the University of Utah and he asked me, what can we do? And I said, well, you know, there's one of the powerful pieces is we brought, um, we invited to that breakfast, the deans of the colleges of education mm-hmm. around the state. And um, so I think his conversation that, you know, that we had, he he asked me that and I said, well, you know, we're having conversations about teacher training programs throughout the state in in our universities and colleges. And how do we how do we better prepare and recruit, first of all, and then better prepare educators for the jobs that they're going to have the the. I think there's a little disconnect because uh, the kids have changed and the and cultures have changed so much in the last little while, especially as it relates to mental health yeah. and, you know, social media and the, and the trauma that kids are experiencing. How do we then prepare educators better to serve the population that we're now seeing rather than you know, continuing to do the same sort of um, prep programs that we did 10, 20, 30 years ago when our students look very different than they did then. Mm -hmm. And so those are really important conversations that we're continuing to have because uh, we invited them to that meeting and because they were able to experience uh, what, what teachers were saying and and have conversations with educators about their experiences, basically. And so, I think there are still outcomes that we're we haven't even seen yet that that yeah. will continue mm-hmm. to uh, come to fruition as we as we um, evaluate all the uh, ripples 
um, from this conference. And lots of stuff we're doing that's a little bit like behind the scenes right now, right? We're having a lot of meetings. We're having a lot of conversations. We're prepping for the next conference already, but we're also like making sure that we continue to visit classrooms and schools and stay really connected. Like me, you personally, Abby, talk to educators all the time and you ask them really intense questions about how things are. And so um, even though we don't have like a big marquee event coming up again until, you know, well, we'll, we'll announce that when we're ready to, um, we're just going to continue to grind at this. We, yeah, we all care so there, much. There will yeah. be follow up. We One thing we heard from educators over and over again, we don't want this to be a flash in the pan or a one and done. This is something that we are dedicating um, a massive amount of time and energy towards because we know how important it is. And what's really fun is we've seen um, other people say, yeah, I mean, we have some huge corporate sponsors that are ready to continue to help with this conference because mm-hmm. they saw the the meaning of it. They saw the the outcomes for these teachers and they're ready to get involved. And I mean, we have people that are saying we should take this nationally. We should mm-hmm. you know, this should be yeah. something that the people should should try to replicate in different states. And, and we're happy to share that because yeah. we we think it's a powerful tool. I'd like to figure out how to clone Sarah Allred 50 yes. times. <laughs> Give one to each state. Okay. <laughs> Go from there. But you can't have her. So <laughs> there she's <laughs> Um, so I, I think as far as future events, we do we we would we are going to continue to follow up. One other thing I would like to mention is that we uh, I just recently went to an early childhood uh, education conference in Arizona and it was it was really powerful. We were talking a lot about um this idea, and again, my, my background is uh, special education, but it's early, early childhood special education. And so really, I have a really um, strong opinion about, and, and it's backed by science, <laughs> mm-hmm. about the brain development and how much we can influence and, and teach in those early, early years, including with mental health. Um, and so we... I think the earlier we start to implement some of these strategies around emotional intelligence and and durable skills, if we can start to really implement those at younger and younger ages, especially pre-K, I think we are going to see – I mean, that's as upstream as it gets. If we can get upstream of some of these issues, then you know the trauma and the, these things that come along are going to be – better handled by educators, by mm-hmm. students. And and I just think all things are better done in early childhood rather than later on. And that, and that's, you know, that's science. That's, you know, talking about our brain development. It also makes yeah. parenting a little easier, I'll be honest. Like, since yeah. we've been learning so much about this, like I <laughs> just this morning with my four-year-old used some like an emotional intelligence skill that I've learned and it was like he got it and we moved on instead of like have a tantrum so from a selfish standpoint like it works <laughs> it does, it does. work yep. I mean we can talk about all the parenting stuff in the world but really when it it comes down to really understanding brain development and it really comes down to understanding uh, the skills for mo- emotional intelligence and that's I mean you can teach math you can teach all these things but unless you have that underlying emotional intelligence framework um, is going to be really hard to learn math or science if if you don't you know know how to 
regulate your emotions. So these are skills that can be taught and and learned very early on. And and we're we're really engaged in that work as well. And I will just give a shout out to to our we do we did last year a early child mental health summit and we are on track to do another one. I believe in November, and this is really a collaboration of all different stakeholders. I mean, we're talking uh, physicians, we're talking mental health professionals, we're talking about early childhood professionals, we're talking about you know community professionals, uh, childcare professionals. So this is a really robust group that's coming together with concrete ideas of how to move this work forward and really identify and 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 address mental health earlier and earlier again just like everything else the earlier we we identify these things and work on them the better off the outcomes are so uh really excited about the the work we're doing in this space again just a true to my heart kind of place and i just find i know you guys do too a lot mm-hmm. of joy yep. in in making this stuff happen um we have a couple more things we want to talk about. Uh, we want to address our service initiative, and we have some big things coming on in uh, foster care. So we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends talking show up and all the things that we have going on. We want to get back into uh, we have a couple more focus areas that we want to focus on and talk about. And the first one is foster care. And we have a huge Mm-hmm. huge project that we're about to undertake. And I don't know if we can like maybe spill out all the details right now because it's Let's still <laughs> very much a work in Stay progress, tuned. but it really is focused around this idea of care communities that we've talked about a lot. And I feel like we've talked about it for mm-hmm. like a year and a half and it feels like it's coming together. And I, I feel yeah. like this is, it's all the puzzle pieces are, are are coming a little closer together and and we're we're about to really put it yep. all together. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about maybe who we're working with and 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 what the basic premise is around this project. I feel a little nervous because I feel like it's yours to reveal, not mine. Oh but. well, I, I I know. So basically let, we'll just talk a little bit about the the partners and we've talked yeah. about them on this show before. We've had a lot of them on this show before. Um, obviously, our folks at DCFS are a huge part of of this undertaking. We had meetings with them, and they're ready to start uh, working on this with us. But the other really big part of this is our interfaith community, and that's where I think we're going to find the power to move this forward is really using our congregations to help create these care communities. And what we have is this, the focus is really going to be on those about 150 kids that are on a waiting, that we call them our waiting children. And these are kids that are waiting for families. Mm-hmm. These are kids who have had their parents' parental rights terminated but don't have a home. And they are at risk of aging out of the system without a home. So think about this. Think about... Somebody that literally, um, this is a story that we've heard and I've probably told it on here before, but like there was a application being filled out by one of these kids. And um, when they went to put up, you know, in their emergency contact, they put 911 mm-hmm. because that's literally yeah. the only number they could think of for somebody they that means they had zero right nobody in their life 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is a Utah child who was applying for college, right? Like yeah. this, like this happened here. Yes. Yep. So that I think, I think most Utahns would hear that and say, I, I want to get involved and I want to help. And I, the, the great thing is a lot of us say, Ooh, I, you know, I'm not in my, the time in my life when I can adopt mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be those people. And I'll bet there's going to be 150 people that say, actually, this is totally something I could do right now. And I want to do it. And I want to help. And I want to be that for somebody. I want to be somebody's place of love and belonging. And and I just think that's that's so big. And I know people are going to feel that. And then the rest of us can certainly be a part of somebody's care community. And what we're going to try to do is really create those care communities through our congregations, our interfaith congregations. And I know that, I mean, every person I know is going to say, well, certainly I can be a part of somebody's care community. That's easy. I can mow a lawn. I can take dinner on Friday night. Mm -hmm. I can run somebody to soccer practice. I certainly can be a part of somebody's care community. But this has to be really organized and it has to be done well and and we have to have our our partners ready to implement and so i think that's where we're at don't you think Kirsten? yeah and i think so much of this that we've learned over the last year and i mean just just the amount that we've learned about this um the need and the community has totally thrown us for a loop i think we knew it was there but one of the things I'm most excited about that we have coming up now that um, show up as an initiative is a little bit older, a little bit more sophisticated. We understand a little bit more, although we still have so much to learn in each of these areas is just the awareness piece because Utahns do serve. They do show up for each other. It's in our nature. It's it's who we are. And so we have a really amazing partner on board to just really do some diving into the awareness piece and, and not yeah. just for the waiting children, not just for the care communities, but just the existence of the foster care community. The fact that there are children in the state, hundreds of them who are in deeply in need through no fault of their own. And um, just, once you see it, once you're aware of it, once you have proximity to it, like you will never be the same again. And so we feel very much like that's part of what we can do and what part of this big project coming up is going to be related to awareness. And yeah, lots of it's already in the works, we're already having a lot of meetings and and sophisticating on our side. Like I said, we show up on and how we can um, really leverage partnerships and things to to make this happen for these kiddos. And it just feels um, so on purpose that this is all coming together at the same time, right? And and that you're using this platform while you have it to and and, and these relationships and and the synergy that we have right now to to help out these kids like it's just it, I'm really really hopeful and really excited for what we have to do yeah and I, I you know and I think this is another one of those things that if we get this right and if we get this model right um, this can be something that can be replicated in other states as well and I think we're excited to kind of get it right so that we can share that yes um, we don't have a ton of, of events maybe coming up around the foster care uh, space we, we still are very much championing um, our our partners who are doing these foster nights out, and we mm-hmm. will continue to support and and be a part of those as as they come up. And we we are getting short on time, so I really I want to address Sarah. Will you talk a little bit about the service um, 
summer of service that we did this year yes. and maybe our big event that we did. We talked yes. a little bit about it um, in at Thanksgiving point, but we, we still have some big service things coming up as well. Yes. So the big thing we did, well, this summer we've really wanted families to take some time this summer and surf and um, to kind of get that message out, get people excited about that. We put together a show up for service summer fair, which was so much fun. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving Point was incredibly generous and hosted us. And we brought in how many nonprofits came? I think it was 45. Yeah. So we had 45 Around nonprofits there, come in with opportunities to serve. And I, I, my family was there. I had my sister-in-law and her kids. And it was so fun to see all of our kids going around to every booth and learning about what different booths, did, like different organizations did and getting excited. And I, I thought it was a really fun, great event. We got some great feedback from our nonprofit partners that were there. And it, it was just a good time, really. It was a good time. We had like a cover band come and we threw up some... Uh, like bouncy structures to have stuff to do with the kids, but we wanted it to be really family oriented. And I think what was, I mean, for me and my family, and actually I had a friend from my neighborhood who came and said this, they all want to serve and they want to teach their children and model that for them, but they don't totally always know how to get connected to organizations that need service. And I kind of took that for granted. And know what exists out there. Yeah. And so one of the things the first lady asked each of these organizations to do was like, come with something that can be done, right? Like sign a sign up for this event that we're doing in two weeks or we need these kits or there's a million different ways to serve, but like have actual ideas. And they did. And it was great. Mm-hmm. It really was. Um, I think, you know, we'll we'll again learn from our experience and learn from what we did good and, and maybe what we didn't do as well. I think some there were some things where people thought they were coming to do a service project. And they're like, where's the service project? <laughs> things um, to refine. So, but. yeah, there's some there's some things that will change and, and, and fix and do better next year. But um, I, I just think it's, one again, one of those annual things that we want to do. We want to make right. sure that families are connected to opportunities. I know with my family, I like we have our organization that we love and we've worked a lot with with Show Up is um, Utah Refugee Connection mm-hmm. and – um, I just saw on their Instagram that they were, needed some volunteers to help um, gather backpacks for refugee families for back to school. And I so me and my kids signed up because I'm like, how easy is that? Somebody's doing a project. All yeah. I have to do is sign up and show up. Yep. And so we did. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was so really fun. cool and so um, just a really cool experience for, for our family. And so I think there's ways to do that. And I think we want continue, to continue to encourage that. Um, I will just say as we, as we wrap up here, um, I, our show up team is the best. You guys are the best. Um, we have a small team. I mean, and people are blown away by all the things that are going on and the things we're, we're um, being able to facilitate in the community. So just know, I guess, my, my message for our listeners and for everyone in the state of Utah, there are builders and there are people that tear down. And Show Up is building a community of builders. And I, I just can't say enough about the power of people, especially women, coming together to build. There is so much out there that we see that's negative and is tearing down. And I just think as we come together as women 
um, and join our show up organization. We're going to be builders. We are not going to tear things down. We are going to build. And I think that's what's been really cool about watching um, what's happening with show up is it's just we just keep gathering and gathering and gathering more builders. The best and people. So many just good people. So great. I was talking to an, a, a, some women this morning uh, and uh, around our, our period project friends and all the things they're doing and the, the, the amazing things that were accomplished mm-hmm. yeah. in a year of putting this together and having people and Kristen Andrus and the work that she's done there and the whole group has been so incredible and so uh, powerful when we do this together when we decide we're going to build instead of tear something down um, I, I, there's just so much power in that so come along with us show up with us uh, we're so excited about all the things that we're, we're doing and we'd love to have you with us so thank you again to Kirsten and Sarah and our entire show up team we appreciate you all and uh, thanks for being a friend Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.